my friend, uh, well, I mean, everyone in the city of Buffalo was briefly in Nashville this weekend, but I have a friend, he has spent all morning, like, on the way back, and is pissed because the people who he's traveling with won't, won't stop at Waffle House. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's, um, yeah, I get it. Okay, so here's the thing. I've never been in a Waffle House. I know, and when he brought up how much he wanted to go, I was like, you know, like, Katie from Tuck Rule has never been, and he was like, he was (laughs) furious. He was like, let me get the, Katie's never been to Waffle House? I just blacked out for a second in anger and confusion. My brain can't process that. Yeah, let me see how close a fucking Waffle House is to me. I have to... How far away? Oh, literally on, like, the same road I go on to, like, get my groceries. Literally every week. Uh, yeah. If it's I look like that a... close to a Waffle House, I would be there weekly. I think I would be there weekly. Uh, if, if I wanted to go to a Waffle House, the nearest one is in Ohio. And that's, like, <laughs> that's, like, a two-plus hour drive. I fucking thought about it. Like, I, as... I, You literally would drive to Ohio for fucking Waffle House. That's... People, uh, so wow. Buffalo only got like Sonic and Popeyes and like Checkers and a lot of fast food places like that within like the last like ten years, probably more like six or seven years. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a regular thing for people to go to Erie, Pennsylvania, which is where like the nearest uh, to this day that's where the nearest Krispy Kreme is, uh, and people go on Krispy Kreme runs. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, um, but also. People used to go on, like, Sonic runs and Chick-fil-A runs. Any intentional forward movement of his hands starts a forward pass, even if the player loses possession of the ball as he is attempting to tug it back towards his body. Also, if the player has tugged the ball into his body and then loses possession, it is a fumble. Like, I got over the tug wheel, but I still think about the tug wheel. Do you not believe the tuck rule was appropriately applied? I do not. I do not. Hello, friends. It's another tuck rule, regrettably. The only regrettably. podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> the only podcast uh, that covers the SEC hockey conference. Um, oh, as, no. as always, it is Victoria, and I'm joined by Katie. What's up, Katie? Uh, not much. I'm fucking cold, uh, which is great because it's hockey season now. That's right. Um, I, I think this is the first podcast we've recorded where it's colder where Katie is than where I am. So that's fucking uh, weird. Yeah. It, yeah. It, I have no idea what it is here. And quite frankly, I'm too scared to look. Yeah. Um, so Katie, we have two football games we really want to talk about because <laughs> the University of Tennessee did something really funny. And so uh-huh. did the Buffalo Bills. So did the Buffalo mm-hmm. Bills playing in Nashville. Uh, I have a question for you, which is, Bills fans, are they notoriously travel like crazy people? Um, mm-hmm. They always go for Nashville because, I don't know, if you're, like, white and suburban and you would describe yourself as either a Republican or a, like, moderate who just wants to get things done, like... You have to go to Nashville. <laughs> like, Nashville is your mecca, if you're, like, uh-huh. that kind of person. So, mm-hmm. 
a lot of them flew down earlier in the weekend to like make a weekend of it. And my question for you is, if you had to just ballpark it, um, how many Bills fans do you think went to the game in Knoxville on Saturday? How many Bills fans do you think showed up? Ooh, uh, at least a few, I'd say. I mean, given what I saw from Nashville, um, y'all are like a fucking like roving band of like bandits that like fucking destroy and take everything except you don't destroy anything. You just, you know, put yourself well, through a fucking folding table every now uh, and again. Have you seen pictures of the Jacksonville Jaguars like stadium parking lot after that uh after the the 2017 wildcard game? It looks like fucking I... Mordor. It looks like fucking Mordor. <laughs> um like yeah, Bills fans travel like orcs. Like when the like Mongols invaded the world. Also uh-huh. that just like dragging yurts behind them wherever they go from air conditioned building to air conditioned building. You know, I could see some Bills fans like being, you know, hey, we're in Nashville. Let's let's take a jaunt over to the Smokies and see what's up there. Um, so yeah, there probably could have been a few Bills fans in the uh, in the stadium that night, um, which would only partially explain how rowdy it got. Which <laughs> <laughs> Bills, yeah, uh, it was probably a Bills fan who threw the bottle of mustard onto the field. You know, I mean. I've never really been one to assess the quality of mustard at Neyland Stadium. <laughs> uh, um, so, <laughs> God. I feel like I'm going to start this off here um, because it is important to me to say what I have to say about this game. So, I guess the first thing to say is, too, is that Tennessee, for three and a half hours ish uh you know we kind of showed like yeah this is why our home field used to be probably the toughest to play in all of college football because it was loud as fuck there uh there were fireworks going there was a fucking light show it just it was overboard uh for fucking Ole Miss which Ole Miss is like an old old rival for Tennessee, like, before, like, the SEC expanded to 12 teams. Um, but we don't play that much anymore. Uh, it's not really a rivalry, and I think Tennessee fans don't really consider it one. Uh, but Lane Kiffin was in town, uh, but I don't think that was the reason for the riot, but I'll get to that in a minute. So, you know, the game ends up being close. Ole Miss, I think, looks like the better team most of the way. Uh, Matt Corral... Oh, Jesus Christ, if I have to see another fucking third down 11 where he just fucking <laughs> takes a quarterback draw and just runs it like 20 yards up the field. I, I was about to lose it just there. I was just like, like, I was about to scream, okay? So it gets to like 4th and 21, and uh, Hendon Hooker throws like a little pass to Jacob Warren, who is tight end. He runs over the middle through the seam, and he's half a yard short um clearly short may i may i just say that he was he he was like definitely short oh yeah he was yeah i i thought at first he reached the ball out but that was his hand that wasn't the ball like that was his hand that was reaching out he was he was short um i was still mad because i am uh so i think those of you who have kind of gotten to know me, uh, you may think, oh, well, I am a very enlightened Tennessee fan. No, I'm a, <laughs> no, 
no, I'm a fucking hill jackass hillbilly from East Tennessee, okay? Like, I was just as mad as you can probably think I would be for that. Um, and then the story started. Uh, Ole Miss, they got, they theoretically got the ball with, I think, like 50 seconds remaining. They're up 20, they're up 31-26. They get the ball, 50 seconds remaining. You hear the boos, um, and then the trash begins to rain down. Uh, <laughs> it was so beautiful. It reminded me, like, when wrestling pay-per-views would happen and, like, the bad guys or the heels would, like, get, like, that kind of heat. Like, we hate you so much, we're just going to throw literally everything we can get our hands on at you. Um, so, Lane Kiffin got hit with a golf ball. Uh, I think he poked... <laughs> I think he posted it later on. Uh, it might have been Sunday. It might have been late, late Saturday night, uh, where he wrote the score on it, thirty-one twenty-six, which is you know what we ended up losing by. Uh, but um, we ended up throwing trash on the field for about fifteen minutes. I think I'm gonna get a little serious here and say. This is not, like, just Tennessee fans, like, having a very random outburst. This is 15, 20 years of pure frustration just letting itself out. Um, Tennessee football used to be one of the great powers in this sport. Uh, six national titles, 13 SEC titles. I can probably name off every All-American you could probably think of. But in the last 20 years, they've kind of fallen down. We're not really relevant nationally anymore or even really in the sec much and so tennessee fans they got tired of it and i think that they and i think some of it was obviously a lot of them were drunk because you know in the sec now we allow alcohol to be served in stadiums but some of it too was they got frustrated at all this losing and all these close games where you just get your heart ripped out and it happens a lot it does um, I'm not saying I condoned what happened, but I definitely think that there was a very good reason for it in terms of the cause for it. Um, the Lane Kiffin thing, I, I was, I replied to Holly Anderson about, you know, it wasn't necessarily just him. It was a small factor, but a lot of it too was just... You're at home, it's a big game, maybe you're finally able to do something again, and oh, look, another close game goes against you and you get your heart broken. And I think a lot of Tennessee fans just had it at that point. They just threw whatever they could because they were just that upset and that heartbroken and that frustrated. Um, it's similar to the Tennessee coaching search back in 2017 where uh, we were supposed to hire Greg Schiano and uh, that didn't happen because Tennessee fans were literally throwing a fit and saying, we ain't going to come if you hire him. Uh, and I... Direct action gets the goods. Yes, yes, that's exactly it. That See, that's another thing, too. I, I, I find it... I find it very odd that people are like, well, you should just... You know, to, you know, it's okay to have passion, but it's not okay to have passion like that. Well, I mean, I think that's true, but also there is an element of you, if you want something done, you do eventually have to make your voice heard. And I, I think eventually it got to the point where just booing or not being there anymore. 
I know we were fined $250,000 by the conference, which is actually pretty big in terms of a number. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure uh, some poor bastard will be getting expelled from the university at some point. Uh, it's weird. My thoughts on it personally are, um, I think most people that are complaining over it, I, I find it... I don't want to say necessarily that it's crocodile tears, because I think that there is a genuine element of concern. I mean, you know, you don't know what's in those plastic bottles. You don't know what the fans are throwing. But at the same time, I think it's a relatively minor incident in the grand scheme of things. It's just throwing plastic water bottles on the field. I I feel like Tennessee is not the only college football fan base that would do this. We're just probably the easiest target because we are... A nationally known program that has kind of sucked for a very long time, but still has a pretty dedicated fan base. So, there's that. Um, there was a game that happened afterwards. Uh, we actually About got the ball. About 54 seconds of a game. Like Yeah, yeah, we stopped him. I think we got a sack on third down. Used all three of our timeouts. Uh, we got a good punt return, and then Hinton Hooker threw like two pretty good passes up the seam. We had two final shots um actually it's bad because victoria's favorite quarterback of all time came in the game for the last two snaps yeah. of this game because uh hinden hooker was hurt um he ends up the first pass is literally on the guy's fingertips and he misses it the second pass is just joe milton for some reason decided oh there's no time left in the fourth quarter and we're down let me just run the ball for 10 yards and get out of bounds. Uh, Your Honor, is it a crime to vibe on a football field? It Your fucking, Honor. It fucking is with me, baby. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, you better fucking know what you're doing. Um, but, I, unfortunately, I do have to say the better team won the game. Uh, Ole Miss. Ole Miss had 510 total yards. Tennessee, 467. I... Tennessee did find a rushing game, especially, I think, in the second half. Um, but, overall, uh, it was a it was a wild Saturday night in Knoxville, Tennessee. Wild nights in Tennessee would continue on to Monday night, where uh, the tuck ball happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, do you want me to do the history first, and then we get into the game? Or do you want to yeah. do it the other way around? You know what? I think leading into the history of this game would give a little bit better context. So okay. I think that would be a better idea. So in the lead up to this game, it's really the first time that I think I've thought about this like Bills Titans series in depth. And it's because I'm hosting this podcast with you now. Um, yeah. And just like talking about what the Bills and Titans have done um, and trying to get Katie to understand why Bills fans feel the way they do about the Titans. <laughs> um, and that it's way more complicated than just the Music City Miracle. Like, it's way more complicated than that at this point. Um, okay. I think you can trace the weirdness of this game back to the largest NFL comeback ever. In the wildcard game in which the Buffalo Bills are down 35 to... 38 to 3, rather. Um... Wait, I think no, it was, 35 to 3. 35 yeah, it was 35 to 3. Yeah. So a 32-point comeback, the Bills um, get it done at home, and approximately uh, 1 million people from the state of New York claimed that they were there. <laughs> My dad was, because he had seasons. Uh, he did not leave 
Although people who left uh, simply climbed the fence to get back in once it looked like it was going to be competitive again. So Kings in Royals right there. Absolutely. So that game sort of opens the floodgates to the series being weird. And I'm going to kind of run through 28 years of history since then really quickly. Okay. So the next season, the Bills uh, host the Oilers again, and they win 35 to 7. That's going to be the last time you see the Bills beat the Oilers slash Titans and score more than 16 points. <laughs> the very next season, they they uh, the Bills go to Houston. This is a uh, this is a Jim Kelly joint, uh, and they beat the they beat the Oilers fifteen to seven. That's a weird score. It's gonna get worse. Nineteen ninety five. Actually, I'm just gonna do a two pack here. Ninety five and ninety seven. Uh, Oilers, uh, Houston Oilers twenty eight, Bills seventeen, and then in ninety seven, it's Tennessee Oilers thirty one, Bills fourteen. Those are both Todd Collins starts for the Bills. Uh, if that gives you an idea of what we had going on there. Uh, so we are now living in a post-Jim Kelly world, and we are hurtling towards the new millennium, because the next game they play is the Music City Miracle. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one has been talked about plenty. I don't feel the need to get into it. I'm not, like, I don't have feelings about this game, because it was, uh, I was 18 months old when it happened. Um, unfortunately, than... I, unfortunately, I have feelings about this game, because I witnessed it live, and it's literally the most insane I've been in my living room. I was yeah. nine years old, and I went absolutely nuts. The NFL uh, decided to kick off the next season after that very smartly uh, with a primetime game where the Bills uh, hosted the Titans, uh, and that's a 16-13 to Bills win. Again, they don't score more than 16 when they beat the Titans. It doesn't happen. In 2003 is their next meetup. The Bills go to Nashville, and they lose 28-26. to uh, this is a Drew Bledsoe joint, and it's extra painful because the Bills drove down to... They were down 28-20, to 20, and they drove to presumably tie the game. Drew Bledsoe finds Mark Campbell for the potentially game-tying touchdown, and then they fuck up the two-point conversion, and they lose by two. Okay. Oh. Oof. So we're jumping three years ahead now to 2006. This is Christmas Eve, and this is the first oh. NFL game I ever attended. Oh, this is the first I remember game this I game. I yeah, I do too. this fucking game. <laughs> Uh, first game I ever went to in my life, it's New Year's Eve, and I'm, picture eight-year-old me bundled up in my little kid winter coat and, uh, and snow pants, and, uh, this is a 30-29 Titans win in which Ryan Lindell kicks five field goals. This is a game in which the Bills had the Titans at fourth, and I don't remember the yardage, it might have been fourth and two. And it's, like, right at the end of the first half, and Vince Young scores a 36-yard touchdown rush. Yeah, Um, so that 2006 Titans team uh, absolutely horrid the first half of the season. I believe they started, like, 1-7. We finished 8-8. Could have made the playoffs, but we lost to the Patriots in Week 17. Uh, But, yeah, we were pulling horseshoes out of our ass for the last two months of the season. So, yeah. yeah. That's what you're uh, facing. Yeah. This game includes a uh, wide receiver reverse pass in which Lee Evans hucked the ball up to Robert Royal. I'm not sure what his awareness rating in, in Madden was that season, but on that play, it was approximately negative 50 because he absolutely <laughs> could have gotten his feet in. And it, like, I've never been more convinced that a Buffalo Bill was shaving points more than watching Robert Royal go out the back of the end zone there. But anyway. 
that's a fucking awful one-point loss. The Titans beat the Bills, and it's a weird score. Uh, so we're jumping ahead three years. 2006, the Titans beat the Bills uh, at home, 41-17. to Dick Duran gets fired after this game. So thanks for that. 2011, this is the season where the Bills started out really hot and then completely crumbled after Fred Jackson got hurt. This is a 27-13 Titans win. Uh, Ooh, you CJ lost Spiller. to the Mike Munn. Yeah, I was going to say, you lost to the fucking Mike Munchak Titans. That's it bad. Gets wor- <laughs> uh, it, it gets worse the next year because the 2012 uh, Titans beat the 2012 Bills 35-34 to on a last-minute <laughs> Matt Hasselbeck touchdown. Oh God! I those teams uh, we're taking a trip down memory lane now because I'm remembering some of these teams. You you really do love um, Jake Locker having like a minus fifty injury rating in that, uh. um, and our offensive line being absolutely horrid. So those are the those are the Titans teams you are losing to here. Yeah, 2012 at least was a Matt Hasselbeck uh situation which is fun uh chris johnson the titans had four touchdowns on the ground in that game someone named jamie Uh, harper had two touchdowns i have no idea who that is i um i I don't know (laughs) okay so we have reached a three game stretch in this series if you added up like the cumulative score of these three games it would look like a normal nfl like single game so 2015 (laughs) the bills uh go to nashville and beat the titans 14 to 13 this is a very boring game, but it's the game where Tyrod Taylor scores a touchdown and then does the hotline bling dance. Because 25... <laughs> <laughs> That's how I remember oh this game. Oh my god. Uh, Jesus Christ. So fast forward three years. The very bad 2018 uh, rookie year, but Josh Allen Bills, beat the Titans 13-12. to um, Ah, yes. This was a last second field goal by Steven Hauschka game. Yeah, I was going to say the 2018 Titans team is only notable for two things, and it's beating the absolute dog shit out of the Patriots. Um, yeah. And and uh, Derrick Henry's, like, 99-yard touchdown run against the Jaguars. Yep. That's all I remember from that year. This is one of the more memorable Bills wins from 2018. So that, so this is very much a uh, down year for both of them. That was the... So, the Bills have played the Titans each of the last four years, and this is the only one of those four years that the Bills hosted the game, which is a little strange. I'm not going to pretend like I know why the Bills always have to go to Nashville, but lately it seems like they have to. So 2019, the Bills beat the Titans 14-7. to um, Another fucking golf score. This is the game that gets Mariota benched, <laughs> right? I, uh, it should be, if I'm remembering correctly. Because... Um... It, it was pretty. It was. It, it was in that ballpark. I'm at. I don't remember exactly which game it was, but I know it was like really soon afterwards. Um. So yeah. So, something that's fun about uh, looking at this Pro Football Reference list of all the Bills uh, Titans games of all time is that it includes the day, helpfully. Uh. So most of them are obviously Sunday, but like you can look at it very quickly and see that, uh, in 1993, the Bills beat the Oilers on Monday Night Football. So, we have a unique date for the 2020 game, which is Tuesday. (laughs) Oh, God. This is the Titans quarantine game that Bills Bills fans were absolutely certain that we just beat beat the fuck out of the Titans because they hadn't practiced all week and Bills fans wanted to forfeit. And I was very much like, no, I don't want to forfeit. I want to, like, 
I want to beat these guys. Instead, the Titans win 42-16. to This is like the one bad game the Bills had all of last season. And the Ti- I, I don't know what it is, but yeah, the Titans blew them out of the joint. I, well, you know, it's like I told you earlier. You enter the Mike Vrabel orb of confusion zone, and everything just turns to shit. I would argue that the malaise that hangs over this rivalry is much is much larger yeah, than but, yeah, Mike Vrabel. Yeah, but at least... Yeah, but those aren't quite as questionable, I guess. Like, it's not quite as... Yeah, those are a lot of bad Bills teams. Those are a lot of bad Bills teams. And these are not bad Bills teams. And then obviously we get to last night. Titans 34, Bills 31. We finally made it. Um, I just have one quick note that I uh, that's very strange. And I have my own conspiracy theory about this that I was posting on Twitter. But since 2012, the Bills and Titans have played six times. Um, and four of those were in Nashville. And they've all been between October 6th and October 21st. Um... It's really fucking weird. I don't know why this keeps happening. I my conspiracy theory guess is guess is that like mid October is exactly when Bills fans want to travel somewhere like slightly warmer, and so the NFL colludes to like to I don't know why they hate Nashville and they want to send an army of orcs uh, <laughs> to Tennessee every mid October. It's it's very strange. You know. You know, and the thing is, is that most Tennesseans hate Nashville, too, so the feeling is mutual. Okay, so, after that extremely long diatribe, I hope that now everyone understands uh, everything. The Titans beat the Bills 34-31. to um, Uh-huh. Katie, just uh-huh. do what you need to do. I, I was I, I am trying to be as nice as I can here, but this is the stupidest fucking win. Uh, it's so dumb. It, it was so stupid. The Bills were moving the ball consistently literally the entire game. As long as Josh Allen was rolling out of the pocket slightly to his right. I told Victoria last night, as soon as you see that big son bitch get out of the pocket, you know something bad's about to happen to him. Yeah. Him on rollouts to his right are just... I can't remember the stat, but I know it was just, he's so effective doing that. And it, it was it was mind-boggling to see them hand the ball off to Devin Singletary and throw him, like, two or three yard uh, throws to the flat. When... Devin Singletary got ten touches in this game, and it was 15 too many. That fucking son of a bitch, Brian Dable. Ooh. <laughs> oh my god. Like, we had three healthy corners literally just send Stefan Diggs down the fucking field. Whatever like, they did that, it worked. Whatever they yes. like they were effortlessly getting like twenty yard chunks. Josh Allen, thirty-five for forty-seven for three hundred and fifty-three yards and three touchdowns and one pick that wasn't his fucking fault. He was on. <laughs> for whatever reason, people were saying Josh Allen had an off night. That's not a fucking off night from Josh Allen. That's No. Josh Allen was no. a really good quarterback. No, he was fucking dealing. And Emmanuel Sanders burned their fucking coverage, too. I was, I'm looking at this. I'm not going to acknowledge our favorite anti-vax friend, Cole Beasley. but He, yeah, he had a really good game. He had a really good game. He, he did. Seven catches, 88 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, five catches, 91 yards. Um, I, I remember him just absolutely terrorizing our defense, especially in quarters coverage. Um, yeah. that's, a bad, that's bad coverage to play when you have three healthy corners. Um, Jack Rabbit Jenkins. Why is he here? Uh, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> he's just... 
He blows so many coverages, and the only time you ever see him is when he's either blowing a coverage or getting fucking pass interference. That's the only time you ever see that bitch. Uh, <laughs> Damn. J- uh, Jackrabbit catching shrapnel after a win. It's tough. Uh-huh. Uh, Derrick Henry, obviously, story of the night. Um, the Titans love to run, like, a lot of outside zone once they kind of get you softened up a little bit inside. Or if like if it, or even if it's just not working in general, they love to run a lot of outside zone. Uh, Derrick Henry had like a lot of cutbacks too. It was kind of like the game against Seattle almost is kind of what I would compare it to. Um, Twenty carries, one hundred forty-three yards, three touchdowns, including one absolutely just monster like seventy-five yard run. I don't know um, what happened there. That was that was uh, our our twenty-three-year-old uh, four-year veteran friend Tremaine Edmonds. <laughs> Uh, he had some nice plays. He's like probably one of the only defenders who can run in the league. Who's like physically capable of like swallowing Derrick Henry. Like there's not that many people who can do that. Yeah. Uh, well, and... I mean, he was the leading tackler in the game. He had eight tackles. Uh, most of those were like the 10 yards downfield, which has always been his uh, specialty. He made a couple nice plays, but on defense, the fucking vaunted allowing 13 points a game bills defense. <laughs> The way that the way that you fucking feel about Matt Corral getting loose on third and long is how I felt with Leslie Frazier being like, "Yeah, Levi Wallace, man coverage, AJ Brown, it'll be fine, it'll work." <laughs> like I'm I'm pulling my hair out, being like, "I think that the Chiefs game made the Bills a little too confident in their ability to play man. Man is not the yeah. strength of this team. Levi Wallace, God bless him. He's a good, like he's a good fundamental zone corner. He has." He has some of the best corner fundamentals, like, in the league, which he needs because he has no physical talent. I, and I say that lovingly. Like, there's a there's a place in the league for someone like that, and it's in his own defense where yeah. where he's able to where, – where you're putting him in a position to succeed. And he was just – he was not in any sort of position to – I mean, like I said, Levi's a good zone corner. If you put him in man against A.J. Brown or Julio Jones, it's – you are setting him up to fail. You know, I, I think the Titans game plan to me was also kind of interesting. They ended up, what they ended up doing is they ended up lining up A.J. Brown, uh, not just in the slot, but they'd have him over as number three in trips a lot. Uh, he'd be like the closest receiver to the offensive line. That's what number three means. If you're if you're in trip set and you're the three receiver, that means you're the third most receiver from the sideline. And they would line him up and... Based on that look, they could either get um, a play-action pass over the top of the zone, which I believe they tried a couple times. Um, A.J. Brown, though, slant routes against uh, against the Bills' man in um, the slot. Yeah, that, that was super effective. Um, play-action game actually worked kind of as intended. Tannehill was all right, 18 of 29, 216 for a pick. I feel like the Titans move the ball down the field more based on bullshit than uh, yeah. I, I can recall. It, it was that Julio Jones pass where he catches it off the fucking receiver's helmet. So that good. was basically, yeah, that was how I think this game went. Um, and then we get to the final drive of the game, which is oof. a perfectly fine drive until they get right, right down in it. And obviously. The Bills had trouble. I mean, they kicked three field goals last night. All uh, two of them were within 30 yards. They got down there and they couldn't finish. 
which is yep. disappointing against the Titans defense that isn't very good. Um, like, I actually think the Titans had a way better game on defense than, than I thought they would. I couldn't tell if they were actually taking the deep game away from Josh or if, like, Dable's game plan was just, like, well, yeah. keeping yeah, him from taking gonna... shots. Yeah, I was going to say, the one thing I noticed, too, is he... He took a lot of underneath throws in this game, I feel like. Like, he had some open throws downfield. I, I, I know there were at least two or three specific instances where he had, like, wide-open touchdowns and just said, nope. This is a pattern that you can note with Brian Dable, who I think is a who is a smart, schematic mind. Brian Dable is. Um, situationally, though, sometimes, sometimes he just loses his mind situationally. Like, I have no other explanation for what happens sometimes with him. Where he just, he has, like, the Bills game script varies wildly based on who they're playing. And a lot of the times it feels really unnecessary. Like tonight when they were, like, Devin Singletary should never get five targets. He's terrible with, he's terrible catching the ball. Moss is way better at that. If you want to get your running backs touches on, like, swing passes, you give it to Moss because corners can't tackle the guy. You don't give those targets to Singletary, who can't do anything. Like, Singletary had 10 touches for 37 yards, and Moss had 10 touches for 39. Very, like, for whatever reason, the Bills love to run RPOs on second and long, and it seems like Josh hands those off more than he doesn't, and it's really debilitating to, like, the flow of the offense. And um, Yeah, I'm, I gotcha. I'm, I'm not, like, overly concerned by this game in terms of, like, the Bills' chances down the stretch. Obviously, it hurts them in playoff seating. Um, though, I think they'll be fine because I think the Titans have a tougher road, um, I think. The Titans almost certainly have a well, tougher schedule than the Bills. I think the Bills have the easiest yeah. in the league. Um, I, I'm trying to... Yeah, we play the NFC West this year. That, that sucks. That's a, yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> that, I think, is probably the big problem. You know, we get the a, we draw the AFC East, but we get the NFC West. Kind of balances out. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll have to look at the schedule the rest of the year, but yeah, I think it's a little bit tougher. Um, the one thing I will say for the Titans, they're four and two, and I think that their point differential on the season is just plus six. This fucking uh, we, series is unbelievably cursed. Uh huh. The- well, from your perspective, it's unbelievably cursed. From uh-huh. my perspective, it's it's um. It's funny. It, it, it is. I will say this, though. I hope this actually does turn into, like, a genuine thing year after year. Uh, because the Titans don't really have a rival, per se. Like, we have the AFC South, but ever since Peyton Manning left, there's no real true rival to us. Um, so, I hope Buffalo ends up being kind of like that, uh, since there is... Uh, since there does seem to be a little bit of genuine hatred there now. The Bills and Titans are probably going to keep playing each other because, I don't know, both their divisions look pretty ass outside of them. Um, as long sure. as Derrick Henry's there, and whenever people say, like, well, you know, like, the way Derrick Henry plays, there's only so many years he's ha- he-, he has. That's what I said when he was coming into the league. The fact that he's still doing it... Uh-huh. The fact that he's still doing it means that I am not counting that motherfucker out until he's, like, 35. I don't know. You know, I... It's weird. I didn't think he would be that fucking no. good. Like not like not even close. Like he like he was he won the Heisman trophy at Alabama, but honestly like obviously I thought okay, well he's better than Mark Ingram. I don't know if he's as good as say TJ Yeldon uh or Trent Richardson. That's kind of where I was slotting him in my mind. And I was so fucking wrong that I 
I, I can't even express how wrong I was about Derrick Henry. Yeah, um, Derrick Henry's really good. Um, yeah. Anyway, we've spent a lot of time on uh, the emotion segment of things. Um, I feel mm-hmm. like we had to go long on the Tuck Bowl and also Tennessee uh, because the rest of the schedule this week was... Uh, eh. uh, we have some college football scores to go through. Uh, Katie's going to lead us through those those as always and then uh we have some coaching stuff to talk about so uh katie all right all right so college football important scores this week uh first of all number one georgia 30 uh number 11 kentucky 13 uh this game was this game was not that close uh you know georgia was up 14 nothing after the first 20 minutes kentucky could move the ball a little bit uh you know but Georgia had a lot of good interior penetration. One of the rules for an offensive lineman is you don't let you don't let a defender cross your face. And all Kentucky's offensive line was doing was letting Georgia's nose tackle cross their face. He was just totally causing havoc all over the place. And second half, Georgia pulls away. Uh, it was 14-7 at half. Um, Georgia was in the lead. Georgia pulls away. Uh, Kentucky got a late touchdown, missed the two-point conversion, so it ended up being 30-13. to Georgia won the total yardage battle, 416-243, had 8.9 yards play compared to Kentucky's 3.5. Uh, and we get to another very disgusting game. <laughs> Purdue, 20, Purdue 24, uh, number two Iowa 7. I, I thought that Iowa being number two was kind of a joke. It, it just... I understand why the voters did it, but it wasn't earned at all. I, I think Iowa had the most turnovers in the country coming into the game. Like, their turnover margin was number one, which uh, that's partially you can attribute that to skill, but a lot of times it's luck. Purdue kind of showed why it's luck. Aiden O'Connell, who is... Purdue kind of actually runs three quarterbacks, I think, but they had Aiden O'Connell play today, or that saturday he goes off he goes 30 of 40 for 375 throws two tds david bell however is the real story here he's he's one he's produced top wide receiver you're gonna hear a lot about him on sundays probably for the next decade he had 11 catches for 240 that he was just mind-bogglingly good we get to we get to number three cincinnati 56 ucf 21 ucf basically is their entire team is hurt and cincinnati took care of them 476 27 296 for uh cincinnati in total yards i want to take a moment to, to number... celebrate yeah go ahead cincinnati's ranked number two they are they are they're theoretically they should be in the catbird seat for a playoff that's fucking spot, crazy but... like if they win their conference title game and they beat smu like i mean i feel like i i they... hope yeah i hope it happens but i'm not I know how the playoff committee is. I, I am anticipating some grade A supreme level bullshit. They got to beat SMU first too, and SMU is no joke. Uh, anyway, yeah, SMU is a very good team. You're you're absolutely right on that. So we get to number four, Oklahoma fifty-two, TCU thirty-one. The only real notable thing from this game is how fucked Spencer Rattler is. <laughs> Caleb Caleb Williams started ten of eleven for like two hundred yards, if I remember correctly. It, Finished with an 18 of 23 for 295 four yard, four touchdown performance. Had nine carries for 66 yards and a touchdown. Uh, bye bye, Spencer Rattler. Goodbye. I look forward to, 
I look forward to seeing you at Sam Houston State next year. Tate Martell watch. <laughs> Tate Martell watch is on. <laughs> Fuck you, Spencer Rattler. Ah, uh, okay. So, I, I think the only... I, there were two ranked games, I think, between two top 25 opponents. Uh, this was the second one, number 12, Oklahoma State, 32. Number 25, Texas, 24. Texas was up 17-3. They looked really good early on, but there was an 85-yard pick six by Oklahoma State, and it ended up kind of turning the tide of the game. Second half, Oklahoma State's defense just absolutely ruins Texas. Uh, check this out. 17 plays for Texas in the second half. 14 yards total. Uh, is that good? That's very, that's, um, some would say, some would describe that as less than optimal. Oh. Um, uh, so, we talk about B. Sean Robinson. I think B. Sean Robinson had a pretty good game. Third, and he is third in the nation in rushing yards per game, but Jalen Warren of Oklahoma State, 33 carries, 193 yards in this game, and he's eighth in the country in rushing. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, Louisiana and the last score, by the way, um, the reason I'm mentioning, the, mentioning this is, uh, fuck Liberty, uh, Louisiana, yep. Louisiana Monroe 31, Liberty 28, Louisiana Monroe hits a 53 yard field goal as time expires to win. Uh, they did a comeback. They were down 14, nothing, I believe at halftime. So, absurd comeback. Proving that Terry Bowden is indeed the best non-Brett Venables coach on Clemson's coaching staff from those national championship years. Uh, so, Malik Willis, potential pro quarterback. Didn't really look it, look like it this game. 16 of 28 for 135. One TD, three picks. However, <laughs> on the ground he was kind of absurd. Uh, 23 carries, 157 yards, two rushing TDs. Still 15th in the country in passing efficiency, so I, I'm not quite sure what to make of him just yet. They're pro they played probably a lot of tomato cans, so I, I don't know about him as a pro quarterback, but I understand why people are talking about him like that, given the dual threat capabilities he has. So, we've gotten the bullet point games down, as we like to call them here on the Tuck Rule. Uh, so, we get to Florida and LSU. Oh, dear God. Um, I, I don't even know what to say about this game other than... Um, just to give you the story of uh, LSU this year. LSU, through five games, had 375 yards total rushing against FBS opponents. They had 321 in this game alone. Um, just... Florida could not stop the run. Uh, Todd Grantham just... Ugh. Yeah, that defense Four, ain't good. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals tried to hire Todd Grantham to be their defensive coordinator when Zach Taylor got hired. <laughs> oh no! And Todd Grantham said, "I will stay right here. Thank you. I'm not done tormenting Florida yet." <laughs> that's my only input on this game, which I did not uh, watch. So, um, we end up with Orgeron getting fired literally 24 hours after the game. Uh, so, one of the crazier reports that came out, um, it was a little tweet. I'll have to remember it, but it was basically like, uh, El uh, Ed Orgeron had his side chicks at practice with the kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with regards to Orgeron's personal life bleeding into his coaching life, sources tell, uh, news station, 
that there were multiple practices where girlfriends would be in attendance at practice and would interfere to the degree of children of the women taking part in drills with the team. That's from Matt <laughs> Trent with WBRZ in Baton Rouge. Yeah! Someone was like, yeah. They they had the ammunition ready as soon as they fired him. Um, It is weird. I think that Ed Orsron... Ed Orsron, I think, was held up as kind of a personal story where like he finally refocused after his pretty disastrous tenure at El- at um old miss you know had a six and two run as interim at usc and then it's the lsu job ends up winning a national title which i think was his dream at lsu and he ended up accomplishing it so don't feel sorry for him and i hope he can still continue to support his side chicks so Me too. so um, they deserve it frankly they do they do we love the side hose here on the tuck roll so <laughs> anyway go ahead that's a that's a very funny bit of audio to have out of context <laughs> um another coach that got fired for um arguably much dumber reasons well not arguably much dumber reasons uh incontrovertibly was uh nick rolovich out in washington state after not taking the vaccine uh the state of washington had a had a vaccine mandate for all state employees that took effect on Monday, and Nick Rolovich did not comply, and he ended up getting fired. Um, this was one of those hires that I think people really wanted to see how it would turn out, because Nick Rolovich kept Hawaii as kind of a fun team, and then he goes to Washington State, and it's just all anti-vax bullshit. So, yeah, th- that's... That's a I mean, the first thing he did when he got in was try to convince his athletes not to join uh, the, um, I forget what it was called, uh, but it was the movement in the Pac-12 last year before the season for uh, student-athletes to have more uh, more voice in how college athletics are organized and run, uh, and the reports came out that he was encouraging that his athletes to stay away from that. So he started off with, like, with like proto-union busting. And then in year two, he parlays it into being an idiot regarding the vaccine. Um, I will say, though, I think I think the vaccine business is a very good reason to fire Nick Rolovich, like, for cause. Um, I don't... I feel like they're probably just happy to give, like... Because he, he's, he's not recruiting well. Like, Washington State hasn't looked that good. Um, I think it's a good excuse to get Rolovich out of the building and start over. Yeah, totally agreed. Totally agreed. Um, he he only coached eleven games before getting fired too. Oh, I geez. just I just I just have to say that. Oh gosh, we also have no love for anti-vaxxers on the Tuck Rule. Just thought we should say that. Uh, yeah, obviously. So, yes. Um, unfortunately, down in the state of Texas, uh, anti-vaccine sentiment is quite high. But two, <laughs> but but. Two schools are doing well. UTSA and UTEP, I just wanted to give them a quick shout-out. UTSA is ranked 24th in the AP poll. First time in program history that's been done. They're undefeated. Sincere McCormick, the glorious running back for UTSA, is like 15th in the nation in rushing. Uh, Sir, UTEP, bowl eligible. Their best start since 1988. Uh, They're 6-1 this year. They started 9-1, I believe, in 1988. Um, Anyways... They have a great defense, but they've also played a lot of close games. I feel like uh, both of these teams, however, 
You got the UAV juggernaut relatively in the CUSA. That'll be a tough test, but I'm really happy for both of these schools. They, UTSA's program is only a decade old, so they haven't struggled much, but UTEP is genuinely, like, genuinely one of the worst bottom feeders in college football, and I'm just mm-hmm. happy that uh, they're okay. Uh, so we get to uh, the last little bit of college stuff. It's Victoria's Presbyterian Corner for this week. Um I, I think this is going to be a relatively short one uh, since we went long and since they got smoked again. So Davidson 70, Presbyterian 35. I think Davidson's on the better end of Pioneer League teams. They are 4-1, so I'm just going to take that as a uh, fact and not fact check it. Uh, <laughs> Davidson only passed the ball 10, uh, no, 12 times, sorry, in this game. Uh, uh, their quarterback only attempted eight passes for 151 yards and three touchdowns. Davidson went 42 carries, 351 yards on the ground for six touchdowns. Oh, dear God. Um, Yeah, this was was a beatdown. Our boy, Ren Hefley, 32 completions for 56 attempts for two touchdowns, two picks. And... A punt! Fucking and a punt! A fucking punt! A 43-yard punt! Holy shit! A knife in the back! A knife in the back from Kevin Kelly. Uh. Oh, Just gosh. Presbyterian uh, takes another L. They're now two and four on a four-game losing streak. All those losses are in the Pioneer League now that they're not beating up on uh, Devry's football team. <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah, now that they aren't beating up on glorified high schools. So yeah, unfortunately, not a great, not a great week for Presbyterian. Um, I'm guessing that Presbyterian will not be getting the call uh, from the CUSA now that the CUSA <laughs> needs to expand. Um, um, probably not. Very, probably. very sad. But but wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be fun? It would be. Um, okay, so uh, it's NFL time, and we don't have much to talk about outside of the Tuck Bowl. This was kind of a weird week. Uh, I didn't watch any of the 1 p.m. slate because I was out shopping. I got a new coat, thanks for asking. Um, I'm but sure it's a nice coat. It is. Uh, it was fucking expensive. I, I, I got it from Torrid, so uh, yeah. Ah. I ended up... I ended up uh, having to. Uh, I am. I. I am now destitute, and I live on the streets because that's how expensive it was. Uh, anyway, I missed the whole 1 p.m. slate, and I did not miss much of anything. Uh, the London game: Jaguars 23, Dolphins 20. This is notable for the Jaguars kicker making the funniest field goal I've ever seen in my life uh, to tie the game, in which it looks like it's going to be well wide right. And then it curves and just barely sneaks in uh, at the very last second. I'm not sure if I've ever seen a football kicked quite that way. And then, uh, thanks to some very puzzling clock management by the Dolphins, <laughs> uh, the Jags get an opportunity to win it in regulation. And Matthew Wright, the Jags kicker, who uh, has not done much of anything in the league, has uh, made a himself so- a legend. Okay, he was a software developer six weeks ago, apparently. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah, Matthew Wright. Uh Love that for him. Uh, so the Jags get on the board. Uh, don't love that for Urban Meyer. I'm upset that he probably felt joy for three <laughs> three seconds in his cold, dark heart. But I am very happy to see the Dolphins suffer. So That's true. Um, Tua Tonga the Dolphins Valoa are one did, in... I was going to say, Tua Tonga Valoa did play a pretty decent game from the stats. I didn't get a chance to watch it. But, yeah, he had, like, what, over 300 yards? Over 350, I believe. <laughs> Yeah, uh, as far as Tua games go, this is definitely on the better end. Dolphins fans talk an ocean of shit 
uh, to everyone else in the AFC East, and it's just very good to watch them immediately switch switch lanes and like bitch about how they're not going to have that draft pick this year because again the Dolphins are about to hand over a like top five draft pick to the uh, Eagles. Yeah, they're because... current. They're currently number two right now. By the way, yep. Thought I'd and the e- and the Eagles get that pick uh, because the Dolphins wanted to trade up for. Jalen Waddle and the Eagles were like, okay, we'll move down and take Devontae Smith. We're fine with that. Hard to say that the Eagles, you know, made out poorly there. Uh, the Eagles are right now, obviously this might change, but right now they have three top 10 picks next season. If you don't build a dynasty off of that, I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, unfortunately they need a quarterback and this is not a good year to get one. Uh, so that sucks. Um, who knows? Maybe. Hello. Uh, Hello, Eagles quarterback Kenny Pickett. Oh man, there we go. Staying in the state. Uh, uh, I feel like because we watched the Tennessee pick game that that we were the first people to like witness new new Heisman level Kenny Pickett. Oh god. Um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ravens thirty four, Chargers six. Uh, what 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 the fuck, Chargers? I didn't think they had that in them. Uh, yeah, the Ravens ran the hell all over the Chargers with their cadre of old shitty running backs Le'Veon Bell Le'Veon Bell wearing number 17 out there (laughs) it reminds me it reminds me of um when the Knicks had uh Derrick Rose and like uh Joe Kim Noah and like all those old dudes from like that would have been a really good team in 2011 but it was like 2017 um I'm glad the Ravens took that strategy but actually made it work where they got all the best running backs from 2017 and uh, just ran all over the Chargers. Yeah, I the Chargers offense were was in hell in a way that I did not think that they could be put in hell. So, um, the Ravens are good. I don't know why everyone thinks that they're bad because they've won close games. That means that they're good. Good teams win close games. Anyway, so beyond that, uh, Cardinals 37, Browns 14. The Cardinals clowned on the Browns and they didn't have a head coach. Um, the Cardinals are really fucking good. I, I don't know when or like when or why we let that happen because I don't think Cliff is doing anything that interesting that he wasn't doing before. Um, but Kyler is playing out of his fucking mind. That guy's the MVP. I think if the Cardinals keep their pace and lose maybe like three games and walk into the playoffs as the one or two seed, yeah, I think he's the MVP because uh, um, he's like if you watch them play, it's it's crazy what he's doing. He can't miss right now. Yeah, I'd also like to say the Browns are kind of in hell. Um, I know that yeah. Nick Chubb was out, uh, Kareem Hunt got injured, and um, I believe Baker Mayfield might be out for an extended period of time. I know the right could be. I know the Browns have said that it's not a season-ending injury, but that's not good because that means he's going to have to miss some time. Uh, Case Keenum is the backup in Cleveland, by the way. Um, sure. Yikes. I don't know. That'll probably be fine. Case Keenum's got to be on like the better end of backup quarterbacks. Yeah. I think I'd rather have a. Uh... I mean, the Giants have Mike Glennon. Would you rather have Case Keenum or Mike Glennon? Uh, give me Case Keenum. Yeah, Keenum can at least make it happen. I mean, he doesn't have an arm, but uh, he's still weird, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was this was this was kind of a butt NFL week. Uh, there were three overtime games, and it felt like none of them mattered. The Vikings take down the Panthers in overtime. The Panthers are bad. We've you know we've already talked about that. Uh, the Cowboys take down the Patriots, thirty-five twenty-nine. Trayvon Diggs is my favorite football player in the galaxy right now <laughs> because he 
it's it is nothing but big boys making big plays and big mistakes did you out see, there on the did football you, field. Did you see that fucking tweet where the guy was like, um, the Vikings should actually target Trayvon Diggs when they play them uh, because he's not a lockdown corner because uh, I, I think it was like, you know, teams always target him. And I'm like, how insane do you have to be to make that yeah. tweet? <laughs> Here's the thing. You might burn him once or twice, uh, but he might get you back once. And uh, when he gets you he back, only... you're going to feel it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's the ideal football player. Uh, my friend Drew, who I believe listens. Hey, Drew. Uh, he was saying that we should clone him and every team should be forced to 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 like start only Trayvon Diggs at at corner. And I think that would make a better NFL product, honestly. Um the Steelers take down the Seahawks in overtime. <laughs> Geno Smith is bad. Who cares? I don't want to talk about the Steelers. So what are we looking forward to this week, Katie? Uh, start us off in the college slate. All right. Well, I've got four games for you. Uh, Wednesday, number 14 Coastal Carolina goes to Boone, North Carolina to take on Appalachian State. I'm not going to pretend that this Appalachian State is anywhere near the quality that it's been in years past. But, you know, it's a Wednesday, Wednesday night. Wednesday football. Yeah, it's a Wednesday night game. It's Sunbelt action. Coastal Carolina is fun to watch. Watch it. 7.30 p.m. ESPN2. LSU at number 12 Ole Miss. That's a 3.30 CBS game. This game either could... This game has extreme wacky potential. I I think Ole Miss will end up blowing LSU out. But you can't really discount it. And I don't know how... The players may end up playing up for Ed Orgeron after he gets... um, Not fired, but not kept i don't know what the thing is i don't what, what's going on here <laughs> make it stop. um i honestly think it might be that like lsu might have looked at their coaching staff and been like do we have anyone who we want to be the interim <laughs> eh, like i don't know i guess i guess ed can stay for the you know the remaining five games yeah it'll be curious to see i i don't like when was the last time we had a situation like this you know like I think it'll be interesting to see if the players give a fuck at all. Yeah, that, that is the one thing. But outside of Florida, they haven't played that well this year, so who knows. But I I, I, I list this game because it is kind of high on the uh, weird game potential. And Ole Miss just went through a very emotional game. So uh, it might be a bit of a letdown. Who knows? Uh, on the same time, at Fox... Uh, number eight, Oklahoma State, at my uh, national champion pick, uh, unranked Iowa State. <laughs> uh, Oklahoma State is in the running for the Big 12 title and potentially a national title. They're undefeated. Iowa State obviously uh, did not perform at all to preseason expectations, including my own. So that'll be a fun game. We'll see if Oklahoma State can stay undefeated. I believe they'll go to 7-0. and That is one of the key games for them after beating Texas, after if they beat Iowa State, then I think they'll be okay until Bedlam, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't really checked their schedule all that closely, but... I think that's right. Yeah. So, do you think that they actually have a shot in Bedlam? Do they ever have a shot in Bedlam? Uh, sometimes they do, but most of the time, no. I, I think they... It depends on it. It depends on if Mike Gundy is gonna break out like some really weird shit for this game. Oklahoma's figured out their offense, by the way. I I, I think that's important to note. Caleb Williams is the solution. It's just can 
I know Oklahoma State basically ran the triple option against Boise State, and I feel like that they need to do something that weird against Oklahoma. So, sure. yeah, that'd be fun. Okay, I'll give you one last one. Uh, number 22, San Diego State. They're at Air Force. Both of these teams are in the top two in their division. Uh, number 22, San Diego State is undefeated under Brady Hoke, who famously uh, texts in all caps, uh, which is very boomer of him. But uh, that'll be a fun game, I think. Uh, San Diego State is not necessarily a fun team to watch, but the stylistic difference might make it an interesting contest. Who knows? Uh, but that's your G5 game I would watch. So that's it for me for the college slate. I, Victoria is going to take you through the NFL slate, which we'll start now. Do I have to? It fucking sucks. <laughs> uh, How bad is it? The only, like... Literally, I went through this schedule to try and pick out, like, a few games that I thought were cool, and literally the only two that I could make myself care about are at the 1 p.m. slot, so sorry about that, guys, but that's just how it fucking breaks this week. Chiefs at Titans. What is this game doing at 1 p.m.? What are we doing here? I, uh, I'm glad I it is at 1 p.m. because if we lose, I can just, I, I don't have to, I don't have to be anxious about it all day long. So, there you go. Go Chiefs. Go hey! Chiefs, let's fucking go. Hey! Uh, I need the Chiefs to make myself feel better. Um, anyway, because if the Chiefs beat the Titans, then that's a transitive win, baby. Uh, and that's more important <laughs> than real wins. Uh, speaking of which, uh, I I did the math uh, after uh, Purdue beat Iowa to prove that 1-5 Western Illinois, uh, which is an FCS team, has a transitive win over Penn State. So, I love that. Uh, but anyway... Bengals at Ravens is the other 1 p.m. game. I don't know what to expect from this game. The Bengals are weird. I, I, I think that the Ravens can play and win close games against literally anyone. They are capable of either playing up to or down to any team. So, yeah. I, I you know, I think this game should be okay. The primetime games are bad. Uh, but the number one game of the week has to be the Boston Bruins at the Buffalo Sabres on uh <laughs> Friday night, the undefeated 2-0 Buffalo Sabres, although that will be tested tonight against the Vancouver Canucks, who also come to Buffalo. Uh, you know, uh, the Sabres are not good, but they're 2-0, so let's go Swords. Better, better than my Nashville Predators, who have started 0-2, so there you go. Yeah, uh, apparently Bills fans were heckling Titans fans about that after the <laughs> loss last night. Which I love. Um, That's the most Yankee-ass thing I've ever heard. It, it totally is. Especially because the Predators are good and the Sabres are not. The Sabres <laughs> have nobody. We've made it to the end of yet another Tuck Rule. This was another weird one, but uh, that's okay. You can follow me on Twitter, at DirtbagQueer. Um, I'm, I have muted the word Buffalo and the word Bills, <laughs> and my timeline has gotten much better. So, uh, Katie, where can the people find you? I am at Kates of Heaven on Twitter. I do manic vols posting, um, some shit posting, just in general, some trans shit posting. But overall, my account sucks, and that's why you should follow it. Uh, so, that's right. Do that. Um, you can follow the show account at Tech Rule Pod for updates and. Uh, for instance, if you needed the update after last night's game that the podcast was canceled, uh, I. <laughs> I, I, I tweeted that while, while like mid anxiety attack last night. So that's cool. Um, <laughs> uh, we should all strive to develop more healthy relationships with the sports teams we follow in conclusion. Ah, um, absolutely not. 
Um, anyway, uh, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, it's very helpful for you to hit us with a five-star rating, which is, again, uh, our, our podcast is bugged. That's literally the only rating you can give. Um, so, unfortunately, yeah, you're just going to have to give us five stars. Uh, but you should write us a review. We only have one. It's from listener Sean. This was this was written last month, September 13, um, September 17th, rather, 2020. And the review is simply, this podcast is very good. You should listen to it. Thank you, Sean. Uh, if anyone else would like to write us reviews, we may or may not read them out loud. Listen, if you want to be mean to us, if you want to give us your favorite recipe for uh, chicken noodle soup, you know, we'll take whatever. So with that, Katie, why don't you get us out of here? Brandon Whedon eats bussy. I believe it.